College and University Food Service has become an even more complex and challenging environment with the need for growing menu diversity, the higher standards of students looking for what they want, when they want it, how they want it, at an all-time high. We're joined today by Stephanie Gilbert and Lisa Addison of Hobart to talk about these topics and more. With all of that, let's get into the PartsCast. College and University Food Service has dramatically changed over the last several years. It's no longer just pizza and fried foods. More diverse menus, healthier options to start, as well as growing commitment to sustainability has put these institutions and the equipment manufacturers that support them at the forefront of innovation. Today on the Heritage Parts Cast, we're speaking with Stephanie Gilbert and Lisa Addison, both of Hobart and National Sales Manager for Consultant Services. We'll be talking to them about what they're seeing in the market, as well as what Hobart, Trollson, and the other ITW brands are helping to bring to market to meet the needs of the college and university segment. But before we really get going, first, Stephanie, Lisa, welcome to the Parts Cast. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Yes, thank you very much. We are excited to hear about the trends you're you're seeing, the challenges of serving this market, and what Hobart is doing to ensure a great end user experience. But really, before we jump into the conversation, do you mind both giving our listeners a brief introduction? Sure, we'd be happy to. So I'm Stephanie Gilbert, and I have approximately 20 years of experience both on the supplier side as well as an operator within predominantly non-commercial food service. And it's just great to be here, and we so appreciate our partnership and ability to collaborate with Heritage. Yes, and I'm Lisa Addison, and I've been with the Hobart Food Equipment Group for, uh, I just had my 16-year anniversary. And I am, like Stephanie said, so excited to be here. Fantastic. Again, thank you for jump, jumping on and, and joining us on the parts cast. So as we mentioned at the top of the cast, you know, college food services really, really changed, you know, since at least since the days I was I was at the University of Kentucky many, many moons ago. You know, it's they it's no longer <laughs> they do. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow tomorrow night, number one versus number two. Oh, so quick aside. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, it really has moved beyond pizza, fast food, fries, what you would traditionally think about is cafeteria food. Thank- thankfully. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so really, you know, as you think about where, where campus menus have evolved to, what's driving, driving these new menus? That's a great question, Eric. Um, so many things. I believe that accessibility for today's student population in terms of access to ethnic cuisine with YouTube and, of course, the Food Network. They are more informed and more astute than consumers ever before, certainly at their age. And they demand that and expect that when they leave home and go visit and stay on college campuses and move away from home for the first time. And in terms of trends that we're seeing, there's certainly, not only is there an elevated bar for expectation, but they also expect what they want when they want it. So the demand for customization and flexibility, as well as a variety of access in terms of how they get to their food. So, of course, increased retail and grab-and-go. We're actually talking to you live from the NACAS show, the Auxiliary Services show in Phoenix, and it is just incredible how we've tweaked food and menu offerings differently than we ever have before so that 
they can still get all of the staples and the comfort foods that they've come to know and rely on. But they also, if they want a pho bowl or a ramen, you know, live action station, they can have that as well. So that's definitely a trend that we're seeing. Additionally, students have less time than they ever have before. And you'd think with the increased technological solutions and innovations that have come to market that we would have more time. But conversely, I believe that we have less time. And they're juggling oftentimes working because it's no secret that school is becoming more and more expensive than it has been when, say, we were in school. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they're working, they're taking classes, they're volunteering. And today's student is so robust. But with that, they just have such limited time to eat. So we're seeing increased day parts or, you know, them not sitting down for the three traditional meals a day. So again, retail accessibility and customization and fresh food in those retail grab-and-go environments are, are some of the key driving trends that we see. Lisa, are there any other trends that you see in the marketplace? No, um, I just, everything you said, the authenticity, the flexibility, uh, the, you know, accountability of where their food is coming from. Um, they want it fresh and local and sustainable. So all those are key drivers. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So really, they're, you know, they're the more educated or more food savvy consumer coming coming into these environments where they're, you know, like you said, they're watching the Food Network, but their parents are also have done, you know, the Gen Xers, you know, or, or our generation have really done a good job of educating them on the value of good nutrition, what fresh means, you know, and it really is playing a role in what they're, what they consider home cooking to be, you know, it's no longer frozen meals and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. It's, they want, they want what reminds them of home. And like you said, they want what they want when they want it. So with, with all of that, you know, how is this impacting equipment that is being used on, on campus? You know, that's, that's a really interesting question. The first thought that comes to mind is that students, in addition to wanting authentic, authenticity um, and convenience, they also have such a strong ethical and moral drive as it relates to where their food is coming from and complete supply chain transparency. And that really impacts the equipment and manufacturing sector as well. They want to know that everything that they're engaging with and in on a collegiate campus is not only sustainable, but morally sound that, you know, obviously fair trade is is a huge driver. You know, we take a lot of pride representing Hobart Food Equipment Group and ITW that our equipment is manufactured domestically in the United States, and they care about that too. I mean, there's tremendous pride not only in the schools that they attend and represent, but also that their dining programs support matters and issues that they care about as well, and as it relates to just food manufacturing and the, and the food supply chain. But I believe that equipment, from a sustainability perspective, you know, energy conservation and water conservation play a, a tremendous role as well. So when we think about the equipment and energy conservation and, and water conservation, that idea of being able to pre-program or to connect that equipment to a schedule that says, say, hey, the food service operation opens up at 530 in the morning, mm-hmm. but it's running till eight o'clock at night. So demand control, production. right. Yeah, so that demand control. Now, you know, I, you know, I think as a, as a manufacturer, would, would, would the equipment in your mind traditionally be used in that fashion, that sort of sustained 
full bore, it's just pumping to get through the day, you know, versus like a traditional restaurant, which sort of has that ebb and that flow, whereas the, the, the college and university campus is just, it's, it's almost like production line to a, to a certain degree. You know, are, is, is, is Hobart, you know, when they think about the equipment, are they doing anything there to ensure that, you know, either from a design in for those? You cut out for a second, but I think I heard your question and I, I had to laugh to myself when you mm-hmm. asked it because, you know, eight, ten years ago, I would have said absolutely that, you know, through demand control and other solutions available and third-party temperature monitoring as it relates to refrigeration, you know, and we certainly integrate all of those technologies today, but, you know, dining halls, traditional dining halls aren't what they used to be and they're so much better and more accessible, but students today want 24-hour-a-day dining operations. Now, that doesn't mean that every station in a traditional dining hall may be open or alive 24 hours a day, but I mean, there, I don't know what we did. I don't know how we survived as college students, but we somehow <laughs> managed not having accessibility to dining halls and a ton of retail outlets all day and night long. But today's students are demanding it. So, you know, we certainly can find efficiencies as it relates to energy and water conservation wherever and whenever possible. And that might mean that a food truck on campus stays open or a single dining hall or a couple retail outlets as well as enhanced technology or um, innovative vending solutions are accessible or even cashierless grab-and-go or retail outlets. But, I mean, it's, it's amazing what they demand today. And we appreciate it and we're happy to oblige as our, you know, we wouldn't have the 1,100-plus attendees at this NACA show um, if there wasn't a demand or a consumer audience for what we're all offering. But, um yeah, I mean, we certainly do what we can from an equipment perspective, but they're essentially demanding accessibility all day and night long. So, Lisa, any thoughts? I'm just thinking about how did we not start? We actually had to go to dinner. Imagine I know, that. I know. The old it's a shocker. Uh-huh. Well, and I, even I think even speaking speaking about, you know, about that accessibility and, and the, the rise of technology and that ability to have a, more of a centralized kitchen that accommodates, like, on-campus third-party delivery systems, mm-hmm. you know, so you can stay stay open you know, at least one section of the campus can stay open and still, you know, meet the needs of the students and keep it on campus versus, say, you know, a student picking up going to Grubhub and having having something delivered. So they still have that access there as well. Again, I think more back to the equipment, you know, how much of, you know, we talk about menu flexibility, menu diversity, how much uh, multi-purpose or, you know, ventless equipment yeah multi multi-purpose multifunctional you know equipment are you are you seeing uh brought brought online a tremendous amount um what i'm seeing and what we're seeing in the industry currently is increased modularity and the ability to transport equipment or food service solutions to various locations on a campus environment so and it's not necessarily equipment that we manufacture, but it is incredible what we're seeing with induction cooking and, you know, different electric solutions and namely ventless solutions that, 
you know, catering departments or concessions can bring to different venues on campus to meet various needs. So, you know, you could take a cooking suite and bring it to, you know, a stadium suite one day and then bring it to a new building that's launching on campus for a live action station for, you know, a building launch the next. And I think that's really interesting and cool. What else? And on campuses, they have like no more multi-purpose rooms. So during Mm -hmm. the day, they're doing one thing in the evening doing another. So they want equipment in a smaller footprint and they want it to have multiple functions. They want an oven that'll steam and an oven that'll bake. They, They just, you know, they want to be able to do everything they want in a smaller space and have it to be more flexible. Yeah, smaller footprint, absolutely. And what we're also seeing in terms of executive chefs on campuses is them leveraging traditional equipment in new and innovative ways. So take a blast chiller, for example, and you traditionally think of blast chillers in a cook chill environment or, you know, cooling down hot food really quickly. But why not leverage a blast chiller to make really cool multi-layered frozen dessert in a fraction of the time that, you know, a traditional freezer or walk-in would require? So we certainly see healthy budgets in terms of renovation and new development on campus, but people are more conscientious of spend than they ever have been before as well. So we see a lot of food service directors pushing their culinary teams to look at equipment and the existing solutions that they have available in new and innovative ways. And this also, you know, covers off on on this idea of zero waste or, you know, how do they even, you know, I, I keep going back to since we were talking basketball, you know, there was a, a, a stat, not really a stat, but a, a story where a basketball player was basically choosing between, you know, staying in school and, and, and getting food, you know, so that this idea of zero waste, feeding food insecurity, and being able to cater to everything the campus is requiring these days, given you know the the, the price of college and all of that, are, are is is actually is Hobart uh, doing anything there from uh, supporting the zero waste programs or you know food insecurity programs for college campuses? We're certainly doing everything we can in support of food service directors and directors of auxiliary services and their initiatives as it relates to food insecurity. And it's interesting you bring this up. Lisa and I last month were on UC Santa Barbara's campus in beautiful Goleta, California, and they have a, it just hit its one year anniversary, but um, I believe, and I'm sorry, Jill Horse, the director, I think it's Miramar but they have a food pantry that's accessible to, I want to say it's 150 students and families multiple times a week. And it isn't sufficient. You know, students demand, as we talked about, variety and authenticity and accessibility, but they also are more conscientious and morally driven than we've ever seen. And so we're certainly doing our part wherever possible to mitigate waste and support food service directors in doing so. And again, blast chillers and other other equipment that we have can help mitigate that issue and that challenge. Um, but food insecurity, rather, is real, and it's a systemic issue on campuses. And we actually were just talking about that, coincidentally, at lunch today. But if we're not talking about students' well-being from a holistic perspective and the entire student body population, then all of us as suppliers, purveyors, vendors, operators, and industry leaders, we're just not doing our job. So I know that we're all targeting it. There's great companies such as Andrew Shackman's Lean Path that 
you know, manages pre-consumer and post-consumer waste. And something that they're doing that I believe is somewhat new is educating consumers before they put food on their plate. And that, according to Andrew, is one of the key or biggest drivers and has had the biggest impact on post-waste or post-consumer waste reduction, which I think is not only really cool, but absolutely necessary in our industry, both in and beyond non-commercial food service. Oh, and then um, another trend, definitely not a fad, but a trend that we're seeing is uh, the move towards trayless environment. And so, you know, our corporate partners, not necessarily owned by ITW Food Equipment Group, but you know, suppliers such as Aeroworks and others are have developed accumulators and um, support systems, ancillary support systems for the dish room so that, you know, we can accommodate all different plate sizes. And we also see campuses moving to smaller plate sizes, say a nine inch or pre-portioned menu items so that students can come back and get as much food as they want, but a healthy conscientious portion size has already been allocated for them. So yeah, it's really sort of moving away from that traditional American portion uh, that we, we see in a lot of restaurants here is the giant plate of, of food and sort of almost really at the end of the day, it's even like a European or, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from Toronto and, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the differences, the differences in plate size from a restaurant here in, in Toronto versus what you see at a very similar restaurant in the U.S. is is always is always quite amusing to me when it's like ah see it's a proper size right you know, and, I, and I think that's true. and I and I think that's actually you know we almost like we're you know college the, the kids you know Gen Gen X Gen Z or or Gen X Gen Z or millennials are really sort of reteaching us what the proper portion size is because they're thinking about it. They think about food very differently than we thought about food. You know, it's like we grabbed our bag of stuff from whatever, whatever kiosk or not really kiosk, but whatever fry station that we are going for. Right. It was always waffle fries. Um, you know, um, and what was that? the big, the Oh, the super size me. Yeah. 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 No offense to our dear no. friends at McDonald's. Yeah. Great customers. Yeah. <laughs> all of that is gone. It's all disappeared, <laughs> whether whether we wanted it to or not. Yeah. It, it, right. It's all gone. Um, but so I, I guess, you know, one of the other questions, you know, you mentioned wear washing a little bit. Um, you know, from a water sustainability or water conservation perspective, what are some of the things that Hobart wear washing is? is bringing to market? Um, so we pride ourselves in being industry leaders as it relates to sustainability and efficiency in terms of both energy and water use reduction. Um, and of course, us and other leading manufacturers have been Energy Star for as long as Energy Star has existed. Um, several of our team members, myself included, are lead green associates. And we really try to remain on the cutting edge in terms of industry-leading standards and thresholds as it relates to both water and energy. Um, we are launching a ventless conveyor-style machine in Q1 of 2020, and we're seeing not just us, but ourselves as well as other manufacturers are seeing increasing demand for ventless technologies. Again, because of that modularity or extensive renovations in existing spaces and hoods are necessary, but they're also expensive. 
So, you know, we're, we're definitely making inroads in that regard. Yeah, what do they always say? The most expensive real estate in, in any in any commercial kitchen environment is under the hood because the hood is really where so much money gets put into everything that, that goes on. Definitely, but um, it's such a necessary investment. I mean, if you have a malfunctioning hood, then let's talk. Let's not yeah. talk about the costs associated with that. No, yeah, that, that, that is, and it's a dirty job. <laughs> but somebody but somebody <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That nobody wants to do oh. except for the guy on uh, for Mike Rowe on Dirty Jobs. Exactly. He <laughs> doesn't even want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is true. Uh, so as as we start to think about where where we see college and university dining programs evolve, you know what what's next? What are what are some of the things that you're on the lookout for? when we think about uh, the students of the future and what they're going to demand of food service equipment providers? Sure. Um, What I think is so interesting and poignant is that the future is actually now. I mean, the things that we're seeing in terms of technology and delivery and innovation, I didn't think we would see for another 10 plus years easily. So things such as, or solutions such as robotic delivery or enhanced tech and enhanced robotic vending um, that allows for customization is, I just think, really, really cool. Again, accessibility in terms of third-party ordering and delivery is pretty amazing in terms of what we're seeing on college-university campuses. There, you know, Drone delivery is here and now. I just did some research and saw that there's a company called Flirty, and I'm not sure if they're out of Vegas, but they partnered with 7-Eleven, and they've been testing drone delivery for both hot and cold food as well as medication and grab-and-go or C-store items, where these items are ordered and delivered within 10 minutes in the Las Vegas area, and they're just piloting it and testing it now, but I believe that that is going to emerge on college university campuses before we know it. So, I mean, I can't believe we're even talking about it, but robotics are here, and I'm not sure if you've heard the term, but cobotics. So, you know, with Zoom Pizza out of the Bay Area and, uh, you know, Flippy the burger robot flipper, (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're seeing more uh, QSR, C-Store, and food service environments Mm -hmm. that are readily incorporating and largely incorporating robotic solutions as not only part of the manufacturing and delivery process, but as a core element to it. So I think that's pretty innovative and neat. And I know that college campuses are with Blended and Chobotics, you know, Sally the Salad Robot and other solutions, Spice, you know, we're, we're here. The future is now. Yeah, we're here, yeah, but yeah. I think we just need to like figure out how to work out some of the bugs, some of the kinks. Sure. You know, that, that they're yeah, facing. Yeah, for certain. I know. Well, I think, oh. what's in, and I think what's interesting about the robotics piece is, you know, we think about, we always talk about l- labor shortage and or there are plenty of jobs, but there are jobs that people don't, don't want to do. do. People are craving more stimulation at work versus just having sort of that repetitive task. And really the robotics piece is, allows allows college universities but almost really any employer to start to think about okay let's utilize the employee to their fullest potential keep them thinking because we need we need to think still 
we haven't been replaced by androids and Mr. Data from Star Trek and the, and the rest. <laughs> now it's, it's coming or Scott or Skynet, you know, you know, it's, that's why I always yeah. think about Google with Skynet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all of that, all of that's there, there as well. And then Lisa, you were going to say something as well. I think Stephanie was. Oh, um, oh Steph- <laughs> that's okay. No, Eric, I, I believe you're spot on. And you know, what I was just thinking about as it relates to equipment is beyond robotics, but that's a, a key driver mm-hmm. and influencer right now. I believe that equipment manufacturers are beginning to leverage artificial intelligence and augmented reality differently than we ever have, or out of the starting gate, I mean, for the first time. And so we've always had, you know, we all know of NAFM data protocol and all these ancillary mm-hmm. solutions, but the industry is ripe and demanding that systems speak to one another in a variety of platforms and formats. So as it relates to equipment innovation and how that's going to impact college university campuses and food service operations overall, I think that we need to look at how we can leverage big data and historical insights and information to ultimately impact and improve upon product innovation and what we're bringing to market. For certain, and you actually touched on one of, I always like to call it my, my soapbox, is when we think about connected kitchens and big data and Every manufacturer has a version of a connected kitchen or that, sure. you know, that, that piece of equipment talking to, to the cloud and the internet of things. But as, as end users start to think about how do I leverage these technologies, no end user really wants 12 different apps on their phone. No, to be able to not. try to manage all that stuff. So you mentioned the, the NAFM data protocol. Mm-hmm. I really feel like the next version of that is what is the operating system protocol to allow an end user to get access to or make the technology work for them versus living in these in these silos. You know, and I don't know if you have a perspective on what a, what a manufacturer would think about trying to get to a, a single operating platform because obviously we you know data protection data protection we want our equipment to we don't, we don't want anybody else to see what our equipment is doing but which I think is solvable but I don't know you know if you've got a, a perspective or an opinion on on that Eric if you or I figure that out we're going to kidnap everyone around this table we're going to run away and make millions and billions of dollars yes. <laughs> from your mouth to God's ears um, no, it's, <laughs> in all seriousness, I mean, that's something that we're all certainly working towards. And, and I can't speak to what that solution will look like in, a, in the equipment realm. Certainly, we're all working towards that, um, but that's probably above my pay grade <laughs> and it's something that certainly our engineers in Germany and domestically are, are working on and evaluating and analyzing. Um, but back to college university dining environments, I do know that they are looking to and students are looking towards complete seamless integration so they're i know they're eliminating p cards for staff and student id cards and utilizing apps but to your point students don't want to have to open up an app to access a dining facility and then open up another app to buy something in the bookstore and then open up another app to see what their homework or their grades are and so different software and web-based solutions providers are definitely looking to integrate all of those solutions in a fric- in a frictionless and seamless environment. And as equipment manufacturers, we need to heed that demand and 
figure out solutions in that regard as well. Fantastic. So Stephanie and Lisa, one, one last question. If there was one big question to tackle within university food service operations and you guys could be the one to tackle it, what would that, what would it be? So I'll certainly let Lisa speak for herself, um, but I would say that my initial thought are, in that regard is twofold. One, how do we reduce labor and make people, encourage people, motivate people working in collegiate food service environments, which is such a vital component and aspect of a student's on-campus experience, more worthwhile and fruitful and rewarding. Um, but also, how can we just continue doing what we're doing better? And I believe that we all play a tremendous role in that. We're all stakeholders in students in the next generation's success. And whereas we may manufacture dish machines or refrigeration or ovens, et cetera, and Heritage is an incredibly phenomenal company as it relates to OEM replacement parts and support in that regard, and food service directors are playing their role we all need to come together and do whatever we can to raise the bar as it relates to excellence in food service because we, you know, we didn't even talk about obesity and, and that issue on campus, but, you know, we are cultivating the pellets of the future and we, as I said, all play a role in that. So that's what I think is a, a leading driver and something that I'm really passionate about. And I, I couldn't agree more, Eric, um, with Stephanie, just the, the labor issues that all the campuses are facing and you know looking at the looking towards the future and how can we do what we do better how can we all come together and provide solutions to give the best um, experience for the students today that's awesome stephanie lisa thank you for the great insight that's a wrap for this week's parts cast listen to the parts cast be sure to subscribe to the show and check out our other episodes wherever you grab your favorite cast. For our listeners, if you have any topics you'd like to see covered, please reach out via email at partscast at heritageparts.com. Again, thanks to Stephanie and to Lisa of Hobart, talking college, university, food service operations. A lot of really fun insights and thoughts around what we need to continue to do to meet this challenging segment. And on behalf of ITW Food Equipment Group, Eric, thank you so much. And thank you so much to Heritage for allowing us to participate today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Take care.